take me on an auditory adventure. Today we are covering chapters 17 through 20 of Throne of Glass. You're joining another romanticy pod with Sarah and Bailey on a lovely Thursday morning. We may or may not have told you we were covering other chapters, but someone, me, Bailey, did not read through what we may have told you we were going to cover. It's okay because it's honestly just going to work towards our epic planning of the next episode. Now we're over. I'm over prepared. Bailey's slacking. I have a sludge monster in my tea. Look That's at that. Gross. It looks like a slug. You see that? Ooh. Wow. That's fun. It's just because of all of the, the, the spices and, and stuff that I put in there. Not because like. Did you make a chai tea and you didn't make one for me? Why are you called chai tea? That is repetitive. Okay. Well, did you make a chai and you didn't make one for me? I made a chai to make myself feel better about misusing the word pontificate. Yeah, I've been making fun of Bailey, but it's okay. I said, show me the transcripts, and then she really came back with receipts. I am deeply, deeply hurt. I came back with screenshots from, like, Webster's Dictionary, too. I know. (laughs) Offensive. But anyway, we are coming to you on a lovely Thursday morning, the eve of the first night of Hanukkah. What, what, Judaism, son? Um, yeah. You didn't seem to appreciate that. I didn't know what to say. You're scared after. <laughs> I Well, I wasn't sure. You started to make that noise, and I wasn't sure what was going to come after the... The what, what? Noise, yeah. Oh, I see. Just Judaism sound. We're just excited. I'm excited for Hanukkah. Everyone should be. By the time this episode airs, it will be Hanukkah. So, right, right in the thick of it. Yeah. Bailey never got me a pickle menorah. That's because so. I couldn't find one. Yeah, we're really disappointed in her. She's falling down in so many ways this week. I mean, could I have looked on Etsy? Perhaps. It's okay. It's not that important. Did I, I look? Did I look? Since <laughs> my religion isn't that important. <laughs> Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled content. (laughs) Chapter 17, let's just dive in. First of all, Bailey has, I think, a lot of thoughts about chapter 17, specifically Dorian and how she thinks he is such a complex character. In reality, Kale just sets the bar really low, and any man that can have more than one thought in his brain at any time just seems wildly impressive. I just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition. I used that word correctly, Sarah. That we just finished Kale's POV of like being super, super simple-minded and not understanding maybe the horrors that Selena Sardothian has gone through. And then we have Dorian, who like literally shows gentle empathy within two paragraphs of chapter 17. Yeah. So for context, probably should have started this way. This is my bad, guys. Basically, Dorian and Kale are together, and they're chatting about the Eye Eater, a.k.a. Bill, who was... Bill, 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 Bill. Bill, not the science guy. Anyway. (laughs) He is dead, shredded, everything scooped out of him, just left in ribbons, and Dorian is basically sitting here, we're getting from, like, third-person POV, that he's thinking about how awful it would have been to witness such a horrible crime or to see like the body and like have to be like trying to do the investigation for this so he's like having sympathy dare i say even empathy for kale um and then dorian we kind of like get back azumal to present 
in that present moment because Dorian was just kind of letting his mind wander where Dorian is hanging with his mommy you know they're just they're chilling in court watching all of the rich courtiers be rich courtiers and Dorian's mom is basically like you need to get married bitch why are you not married yet and there was really no transition there in, really in their conversation wasn't. she was just like this is the way it is yeah yeah it was really basically her whole like the whole the only transition she had was holland his dorian's brother is away at boarding school and he wants to come home and dorian's like you shouldn't let him come home and the queen is like yeah honestly we shouldn't also you need to get married because if you don't holland will and he's going to be king then and that'll be really awkward because he's a horrible person which how awful does a child have to be like how horrible of a human being do they have to be for a mother to be able to recognize that about their, their kid like that is damn he's bad he's very bad he's not a good kid i also don't understand how he doesn't become more relevant in this series I kind of wish that we were going to get more content from him because, so spoiler, like, the big thing I, I remember thinking about is when Kalena tries to break Dorian out, like, when he has, like, the the word collar on. She tries to. She oh, yeah, hold on, hold on, him. hold on. Yeah. Spoilers. I said spoilers. You did? Yeah. I don't think I was listening very well. Continue. No, you, were, <laughs> you were just kind of staring off into space. I really was. <laughs> That's okay, I can entertain myself, it's fine. Basically, spoilers, guys. Kalena is eventually trying to break Dorian free when he's, like, kind of, like, essentially taken mind hostage with a little evil clock material collar. And the whole, like, time when she does that is for Holland's birthday party, right? Or, like, his homecoming party, I think it is. So they throw, like, an extravagant gala, and Holland's, like, wanting to watch everyone get tortured. Like, he really wants that. Holland gives off Joffrey vibes. I was just about to say that. He's totally a Joffrey. He really is. And I kind of, like, I don't want him to have any power, but I think it, we could have done more interesting things with his like, character art. I think he could have been more of a power player. For all we know, though, perhaps there's been, like, a years-long setup for this new crossover for Crescent City 3. <gasps> because you know all the worlds are connected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What What if he is actually, like, a player, like a, like a villainous player? Yeah, because he doesn't die at the end of the series, does he? No. He's still, I don't actually even know what happens to him and the queen at the end. I don't think I it don't was, know. I think it was maybe like resolved, but like it was like an off screen kind of like. Well, and, and if you think about like timeline intersections, ju- just to make this plausible, at the end of the Throne of Glass series, Selena's character has some, some crossover into different worlds, one of them being. The Akatar world, where she sees pregnant Feyre. Yeah. And when we're at the end of Crescent City 2, and Bryce pops over into Akatar world, it's like post-pregnancy Feyre. Is it? Yeah, it's like immediately post-pregnancy Feyre. Oh. So really, I think it's only been like a couple months to a year since like end of throne of glass series to where events are now aligning with crescent city three so i'm i am hopeful 
I think you're that right. I really Holland I, is going to be a player because there's no way that she would plot such like a smarmy little yeah, a little shit. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think of a nice way to say twat. Um, this episode is not rated G. <laughs> none of the episodes are rated G. I think we rated the first one clean, and then we like really delved into thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, not. we can't get through this without being a, a little bit spicy. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think that there's perhaps not a sh- that she might not cover it in Crescent City three, but like she's obviously we know she's already working on like another two books down the line. Because I don't understand how this woman has plotted all of these worlds to intersect the way that she has. And the Akatar series isn't done. I think she's got a couple more books oh, left really? in that series, too. Yeah, she has at least an Elaine spinoff, and I'm hoping, like, also a Tamlin spinoff. I am just, I'm, like, I genuinely, like, I think that it's, like, so impressive. Like, I cannot, she is the literary Taylor Swift, in my mind. She truly is. So... Anyway, that's just me simping for Sarah J. Moss. Look at her go. Um, while Dorian and his mother are discussing who he should marry, his mom was like, a princess would be preferred. And he was like, um, girl, there's no princesses left because we destroyed all other countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> when you want to marry someone that's at your station, but there's no other station. Yeah, because you've like literally taken over the world. It's just you. And his mom is like, except for Princess Nehemia. And then she started laughing. She was like, LOL, as if you would marry her. We can't. And she gets just basically super prejudiced and racist towards her we don't love it in fact, we really we hate, hate it. it we really really hate it dorian does too and i actually really liked this here he says bailey actually highlighted this in the novel um dorian said was disgusted by his mother's unspoken prejudice so yeah look i at dorian. wrote next to his mom's little statement slander because mm-hmm. that's how i feel <laughs> absolutely unacceptable yeah and basically then dorian ponders how like Nehemia is honestly pretty validated in all of her choices and how like perhaps supporting her support of the rebels is kind of legitimate because her entire people are being enslaved and she doesn't want to see that happen but Dorian thinks all this little action backing his thoughts but you know he's got a moral compass Dorian is the rune Danan of Throne of Glass like so true he's cute (laughs) born with a silver spoon up his butt yeah, he's got a moral compass. Just... But doesn't do anything to act on it. Yeah, he kind of lacks balls. But eventually we, we are going to see Dorian grow some balls. One day. Dorian has zero initiative unless there's a little lady walking on the other end of that line. Mm-hmm. He saying. thinks with one head and it's not the upstairs. Sorry for the Dorian slander. Is there any Dorian apologists out there? Um. Also, oh, this was exciting. While they're continuing to discuss what few women Mar- Dorian should marry, we hear his mom say, what about Elise? She's very beautiful and can be quite playful. To which Dorian in his head goes, I've already learned that. <laughs> Slut. Um, but who is Elise? Dorian just has a big heart. He has a big <laughs> heart. <laughs> he likes to share his heart with everyone. <laughs> truly does. He's so giving. <laughs> he thinks about others all the time, especially if they're women. Really, honestly, the democratic process is sex. <laughs> <laughs> he does not discriminate. 
but I'm just I think that this is interesting setting up who is this Elise character who could she be could she be important because as we know we don't just name drop any character for no reason if a, if a character is unimportant they don't get a name Sarah so. I think you're thinking of a lead what a lead is different than Elise oh that's okay. That's, that's embarrassing for me. I misused a verb. <laughs> you misused a character. Well, who is Elise then? I'm still Elise just... is just some lady he was sleeping with at court. But, see, I'm still, I'm like, she doesn't just give people names for no reason. She gives everyone names. I mean, I sure. I understand it's a different character. Though. It is a different character. Because I know where you were going with that. I was excited. You no. Know, I can't believe you didn't tell me that I was being stupid in the book. That's embarrassing for me. Or did I annotate after you? I don't know who annotated first. You but. just put really, question mark, dot, dot, dot. So I didn't really... Oh, you didn't understand what I was trying to say. Yeah. I was... It's fine. Now yeah. I understand what you were trying to say. I was excited. I, I thought there was a connection. There's not. I was not reading betwixt any lines that were not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Basically... Anyways... <laughs> Then Dorian is talking, just thinking about how he's so bored and how his life sucks so much because he's so bored. He doesn't do anything but, you know, screw women and get drunk and go to balls. And he then continues to be like, well, I hoped my journey to Endovier would have quelled that boredom. Uh, but it didn't. And he's very disappointed. Which... I, too, like to take a little day trip to a labor camp when... Yeah. feeling down about my life yeah he's really like i feel like he's trying to get sympathy here in what world buddy in what world but anyway we're it's just more like dorian mom content they just they continue talking about how he needs to produce an heir and he's like this is gross i don't want to talk about this with my mother she's like well you can take a like consort after you produce one then you can have whoever you want again classic mom my mom tells me that all the time myself actually she's like sarah you need to produce some heirs once you do that you can screw whoever you want but i have no comment no comment. Does mom not tell you that? <laughs> no. <sighs> okay. Anyway, then we have Nehemia. She shows up at this little party, I guess. No, Dorian no. leaves. Literally, it's a cut scene. It's cut a cut scene. scene. Okay. Dorian leaves, and he happens upon Nehemia, who is practicing her little fighting style with Luna. Yay, they're so sweet. What a little cute little girl bonding. And Princess Nehemia is just being super hot and cool with her wooden staff that's ornately carved. Yeah, she, like, immediately wallops Dorian's butt. Yeah, because she's like, why don't you... Because he's basically, like, you're saying to Selena that she shouldn't be practicing with a princess. And the princess is like, well, maybe you should practice with me. And she kicks his ass. We love it. It was very fun. And then Kale shows up, of course, gag. Kale does not show up during this scene. Yes, he does. Captain Westfall. I don't see what you're pointing to. Point to it again. 
He's not there. She's just... Co- this is Selena comparing him. Oh, why are they bringing up Kale when he's not even there? Why because they, they spend any time thinking about him? Because they live for Kale slander. They literally mm. just, like, use their spare time to neck him. And honestly, so I appreciate that. <laughs> then we get to chapter 18. Finally, he shows up. Right? Uh, yes. And he basically acts like a little brat. And is like, you can't be practicing with Nehemia. He says that to Kale. To Selena. Yeah. Kale shows up and he gets really mad. Because how dare Dorian give anybody else attention aside from Kale. Yeah. Because he's just, he just wants his boy to to show him some love. Yes. And then we get like the best description of Kale ever. Which is, you insufferable moron. (laughs) Delivered by Selena Sardothian herself. Oh, she's just so amazing. We love her. She knows how to be blunt. She truly does. Yeah, basically, then he, like, basically sends Kalina back to her room, and she just gets really pissed. I think she stomps her foot. Oh, no, he tapped his foot on the ground. Yeah. Also, wait, this is interesting. Her fists aching to bash his teeth down his throat. That's very Selena talking about how she feels about Kale, and honestly, don't we all feel the same way? Yeah, I just think it's like very like primal. It's giving Faye. It's giving the audacity of Kale. (laughs) Yeah, we cut scene again to chapter nineteen, where we get our very first Lady Caltain POV. Yeah, super fast summary of this chapter: Lady Caltain hates the Duke but loves money. That's pretty much all you need to know. I think that's, like, her number one character identifying fact. She is very calculating, very cunning. She's just, like, thinking to herself how much, like, she doesn't want to, like, be around the Duke and how she doesn't want to, like, give him little sexual favors that he desires, but that she wants to be at court and she knows that she needs to play the game. Um, Lady Caltain is a social climber. A social climber who had alluded to some sort of a relationship potentially developing between her and the Duke of Parrington. Yeah. Specifically because she wanted to come to court. Exactly. And she was saying that she kind of like led him to believe that if she came to court, she wouldn't have any chaperones via her parents to keep them apart. Yes. So very exciting. But thankfully she's able to escape him most of the time by smoking her pipe and or hiding in dark corners as yeah. social climbers are wont to do. Yeah, she questions him a lot about Miss Lillian slash Kalena, Selena, if you want to say it. Uh, basically she perceives Selena to be... Her competition? Her, yeah, and she wants to like find out what information she can to basically take her down. She wants Dorian. Her end goal is to marry Dorian. That is what she's aiming for, and the Duke is really only, like, a stepping stone for her. We get an evil clock reference. You notice that. That was exciting. I did notice that. Um, just so many... The clock is just always here, always watching. Anyway, the cut scene to Dorian and Kale. Talking about the Eye Eater's death. Yeah. And after, like, a pretty gruesome description about, like blood and brain and other parts of his body missing dorian's just like i bet it was a drunken brawl (laughs) (laughs) honestly csi dorian is like my favorite literary device yeah that sjo uses in this book he's kind of he's kind of giving therian 
<laughs> he's he's a lot. He's <laughs> a lot, I, and yet so little. <laughs> I too, when I get into a drunken brawl, will just scoop someone's brains out and leave them in ribbons. Truly, that's like the totality of their discussion. Yeah, it's, it's quite literally. This is how he was murdered, and Dorian's like. Eh, drunk and brawl. Yeah, and then Kale gets a little jealous because Kale's like, "You're spending all your time with Kalina. She's yeah. paying attention to me. Love triangle is what I'm hearing." And then as soon as he has that discussion with Dorian, Dorian goes to Selena's rooms, of course, <laughs> and creepily watches her as she plays on her piano forte. Yeah, she's just trying to work through because she's. Sitting there thinking a lot about Sam. Have we heard about Sam yet in the series? Have we discussed him? Do we have any context for him so far? I don't think she said his name. I think she's alluded to him when she was traveling back from Andovia to Rifthold. I think there was a moment where she looks over the city and she thinks about the last time that she was there. Oh, yeah. So Sam is her old lover who has died. He a died, gruesome death. Yes, a very gruesome death. Um, died just a few days before she was captured. She thinks that they were both like kind of betrayed by another assassin. Um, and she was just very much in love with him. She misses him greatly. So she's just playing the piano to kind of work through some of those emotions and grief that she's feeling. She's working through those emotions and she's also thinking about her old master, Arabin Hamill. Oh, yes. And how she has suspicions that perhaps Arabin Hamill had a hand in preventing her death while she was at Endovir. And per- but also perhaps how he might have had a hand in... Putting her there? Yeah. yeah. Which is, holy crap, what a mind game that is to first set someone up to be captured and placed in a labor camp, death camp, really, and then to pull strings to prevent them from dying there. Arabin Hamill is probably my favorite villain of the series. Really? Despite not being the big bad. He, I think, has the most compelling story. He does. I think he has a lot of complex... Like I never understood his relationship with Kalina. She doesn't either. I think that's like one of the big themes throughout their I mean it, it, it seems to me that he really was just grooming her to not only be a lucrative asset for him but also grooming her to develop a romantic relationship with him yeah see that's the thing is he kind of like played this role of father and brother and lover lover for her throughout her or he childhood and or he perhaps saw himself as lover and she never did yeah and that was all like a catalyst for her losing Sam and losing her freedom. Yeah, and I would argue that a lot of what happened with Sam perhaps was brought on by Arabin's jealousy of her. Because she was ultimately, the reason why it happened was because she, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert, um, she and Sam were planning on leaving. She was about to pay Arabin off all her debts and leave with Sam. They wanted to run away together. I never actually read the Assassin's Blade. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't like to read things that make me sad. So I was just kind of like, I know theoretically what has occurred, but I don't wish to basically sob through a novella. 
background about me, I cry over like the smallest things. Like I can't go to the movies because I cry through all of the previews, even if they're not sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bailey cried at a uh, Coca-Cola commercial at the Coca-Cola Museum. I did. I was like ugly <laughs> sobbing. It's a Coca-Cola museum. Yeah, I was kind of sitting there like, uh. It's <laughs> a sweet little polar bear having a Coke. Well, see, I saw that and I was like, this is capitalist propaganda. And Bailey was just in tears. Yeah, I also cried through what was it? Basically all of the Jurassic Park movies because I felt so bad for the dinosaurs. Oh, okay. I can understand that one. <laughs> I get that one more than I'm the tearing up right now just thinking about it. Those poor dinosaurs that weren't real. Ah! <laughs> okay, we have to move on. Yeah, before Bailey just starts bawling over here. Um, this is the content you subscribe to. Yeah, honestly. We finally, basically, we get Dorian makes his presence known while Selena is playing her piano. And it's like, honestly, I find this so rude of him. She was obviously having a very personal moment. Like, just like back out give her privacy let her be but he makes his presence known they have a little interaction there's a lot of verbal sparring there's a lot of him basically being the most obtuse object one could really Mm -hmm. ever imagine yeah just banter 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 dorian being kind of dumb um he's basically like trying to invite her to his bed and she's like no thank you (laughs) yeah and then they get into this like weird spat where he basically tells her he's not gonna debate morality with an assassin and she just straight up shuts him down yeah (laughs) it says you can leave now (laughs) (laughs) which is so iconic because like this is his palace this is his castle and she's telling him he can go i love her for that um, I have a lot of problems with Dorian in this interaction. Yeah. This, specifically the fact that he still seems to think that, that Selena's career as an assassin was via choice and not via something that was forced upon her despite her young age. And also the fact that he takes very little initiative in anything in like this political spectrum of a darling just being terrible yeah for sure and she like he kind of just is also just being obtuse to the fact that like he starts making fun of her being like oh that piece that you're playing was so sad you think you got a secret lover and she was like yeah i was and he's dead don't you feel like an asshole now um and she kind of calls him out. I really liked this line where she says, I'm not some odd commodity that you can gawk at. I'm not some carnival exhibit and you won't use me as part of some unfulfilled desire for adventure and excitement, which is undoubtedly why you chose me to be your champion. Uh, you said that this was a nail on the head. And I think that's a direct callback to Dorian two chapters ago where he was talking about how he thought that the trip to Endovir and back would be a break from the monotony of court life. Yeah. Yeah, I think she absolutely called him out, put him in his place, like, perfectly. She said it so succinctly. It was exactly true, you know. Well, and she's honest with him, too, about her own feelings. When she says, like, I'm not basically going to pimp myself out to you because that's clear to me that this is a proposition. And 
if I'm in my feelings about something while I'm here spending alone time, perhaps it's because I've actually had romantic trauma in my life. Yeah. Yep. So she's, we love her here. She's doing a great job. I would say this is honestly 10 out of 10 on the Selena scale of communication. She's not usually great at that, but she kind of was here. She was actually sharing a little bit. Great at communication, great at putting somebody in their place. And that's really, I think, a perfect end scene to the buildup of, what is it, the second test that she's to have? Yes. Are we excited? And hopefully some more unfolding of the B-plot of Monster of the Week. Yeah, I don't know what that could be. Was it a drunken brawl? Was it some sort of a demon that's been summoned to do somebody's bidding? My money's definitely on the drunken brawl. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, I don't know what else it could be, honestly. So yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We'll be covering chapters 21 through 25. Let's say that. It might not be that. Who can say? You guys should follow us on Instagram. And make sure you're subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast. We get so excited. We've been looking at all of our analytics all the time. We're really excited still about our Australian listener. And our UK listeners. Everyone. Each and every one of you. If you were to like email us or something. We would definitely give you a little shout out. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week.